This is the Rubber Soul Panel Podcast, spotlighting the commentary used in the public radio documentary, Isn't It Good? The Beatles' Rubber Soul, an in-depth exploration of the Beatles' landmark 1965 album, Rubber Soul. The entire program can be heard on your public radio station if they carry it, feel free to ask them to, or online at the public radio exchange, prx.org. That's prx.org. I'm Paul Ingalls, host and producer of the show. If you signed up for our free podcast, we hope you enjoy it and at least stick around at its end to hear about how to make a tax-deductible donation to a nonprofit radio organization that produces a program we think the Beatles would have dug and that it explores peace and love. Copyright restrictions prevent us from using more than just a few seconds of Beatles music in this documentary work on the podcast, but obviously you can hear the music in this special online at the Public Radio Exchange, prx.org, or of course, on your own copy of Rubber Soul, available for purchase everywhere you'd expect. Here's this episode of the Rubber Soul Panel Podcast. Rubber Soul, it's a first in so many ways. I believe it's the first Beatles album that doesn't have the Beatles on the front cover. It just says Rubber Soul, and I guess by that time, we all knew who those four guys were. Hi, I'm Anthony DeCurtis, a contributing editor at Rolling Stone. Who the Beatles were at the beginning of 1965 and who they were by the end of 1965 when Rubber Soul came out was very different as songwriters in particular, as artists generally, and as human beings, really. They started out 1965 as the Mop Tops, and then suddenly you know, they were making music of a very striking maturity by the end of 1965, and that's reflected on Rubber Soul. Hi, I'm Ann Powers with NPR Music. The songs on Rubber Soul speak to the ambiguity of life itself, not just love, although, you know, nominally we're still mostly in the territory of love. I'm John Spurney. I'm a musician and composer, and I live in New York City. These days it's incredible that they made an album that good in just a month. You know, at at that time it was... Uh, an unbelievably long time to work on a record. I am Scott Fryman. I am a Beatleologist, and I do lectures that I call Deconstructing the Beatles, where we talk about the creative process of the Beatles, how they wrote their music, and how they worked in the studio. Uh, Again, any other group, when faced with the pressure of getting an album together in 30 days, would have gone to cover songs, and the Beatles certainly had hundreds of those that they knew. Or they would have continued to kind of reshuffle, re- remake their existing hits, which the Beatles could have done in their sleep. And the fact that they didn't do that, that they tried to push themselves uh, at least to the last day of recording or close to the last day of recording, I think is a, a, a sign of what made the Beatles great. They really they weren't content to just toss something out because they had to. They really wanted to make everything they did great. My name is Jim Fusilli. I am the rock and pop critic of The Wall Street Journal. That's something you see in Rubber Soul. You see um, a lack of stasis. Um, you, you see a yearning to do things um, differently than, than has been done before. And, and this is not a common characteristic in rock and pop. Uh, generally, once somebody finds a sound that uh, brings them... Um, the acclaim they they seek or or the uh, level of comfort they seek, they tend to stay with it. Um, the Beatles completely blew that idea up. Hi, my name is Sarah Angherad Schaefer-Jones, and I am a licensed music teacher in Bloomington, Indiana. 
this piece is is both of its time and and universal. I think every song that you listen to on this album uh, can speak to someone today, but can also remind us of of what the world may have been like in the 60s. And I, I can't even honestly say because, again, I was born in 1981. But this album really helped me to connect to not just the Beatles as they were in the 90s, but uh, but also uh, the Beatles as they were in the 60s and, and really uh, experienced Beatlemania even as as a, a 90s kid. Hi, I'm John Kruth, a New York musician, leader of Tribekistan, a 10-piece world music ensemble, and um, author of quite a few books on music, including uh, my latest book, This Bird Has Flown, The Enduring Beauty of Rubber Soul. It had soul, you know? I mean, it really was the time when where they were listening to uh, Booker T and the MGs, and they were picking up on soul music. There's country music on that record. There's, uh, as they called, ham-fisted jazz with their jazz chords on Michelle. Uh, there's elements of Brecht and Weil on, on Girl, uh, Rockabilly on Run For Your Life. Um, I know I'm forgetting something in there. There's innovation with the fuzz bass on Think For Yourself. I don't think about it as intellectual as much as I think about it as innovative. When we sit down and try to prioritize the Beatles' great strengths, um, close to the top we have to put how hard they worked. And even in later years when 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 they were not so cohesive, you know, McCartney was still... You know, putting in eighteen-hour days, and and you know he wanted, he never lost that drive, and uh, when all four of them had that drive, that must have been very, very powerful thing to experience. Hi, I'm Rob Martinez, and I'm a musician and Beatles fan in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Paul's songs on Rubber Soul are really about his struggles in his relationship with Jane Asher at the time. Again, there's that. Uh, cliche of Paul McCartney always being positive, the happy-go-lucky Beatle, but not only are Paul's songs on this album, for the most part, um, not very romantic, they're kind of bitter. They're kind of bitter. In fact, I was looking at this album uh, to study up for this session here, and it might be one of the most unromantic Beatle albums out there. Hello, this is Harvey Kubernick, and I'm the author of Turn Up the Radio, Rock, Pop, and Roll in Los Angeles, 1956 to 1972. So you get all kinds of interesting little sounds going on, um, and it's really obvious when you hear um, the new menorah pressing of Rubber Soul, just uh, how strong and firm that, that whole album is especially when you listen to it in mono, which is the way the bands and the people and the Beatles themselves wanted you initially to hear their catalog. Uh, hi, I'm B.J. Liederman. Um, most of you know me for my theme music that's been heard over the past 30 years on public radio shows like uh, Morning Edition and Weekend Edition, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, stuff like that. When you listen to Rubber Soul, or when I first listened to it, I got the sense that half of the album or a good deal of the album was rooted where they had come from. It was just a continuation of, you know, gorgeous, perfect pop songs. Um, but sprinkled in there were a few hints that 
they were going in a different direction, or that they were using the studio, you know, as an instrument. I started off loving the early albums,、uh, and I didn't like the later ones as much to start with because I didn't. Have the right frame of mind, but I grew into them, and I think Rubber Soul and Revolver really helped me to grow into them because there was there was still some of that that rawness of the earlier albums, but developing into the, some of the more complex ideas of of some of their later albums. What Rubber Soul gives you is a clear look into each Beatle. It gives you a, an opening of of each of their, for lack of better word, souls. Um, you know, you you see it when with John, with、uh, Girl, and in my life,、uh, with George, with Think for Yourself, and If I Needed Someone, with Paul,、uh, you see it a lot in、uh, I'm Looking Through You, and You Won't See Me, and then even with Ringo, with、uh, What Goes On, you you really get a feel for each Beatle,、uh, but still with that. Connected feeling、uh, that that maybe you start to to see split apart a little bit when it comes to the White Album. It did seem different、um, to me in a way that I probably couldn't have articulated at that point because I didn't understand the perspective.、Um, but I may have had some vague sense that the Beatles had were transitioning from kids to adults.、Um, I I was not in tune with lyrics yet. But I knew that、um, this, particularly the songs John was singing were were serious and about grown up subject matter.、Um, they weren't finger popping tunes for the most part.、Um, and and、um, I probably was troubled by that as a kid. I probably wanted I probably wanted that sort of hard day's night、um, carefree spirit to continue. And also for the first time, by the way, they had an independent producer. Because George Martin was no longer working for EMI, he had built a tremendous revenue stream for EMI, largely because of the Beatles. And EMI had just not rewarded him.、Uh, they were still paying him his measly salary, no car, no bonus, and he finally got tired of it and he left. Became one of the first independent producers. And one of the first producers to get a share of of revenue from album sales, and so the difference is that before this, the Beatles were kind of working for George Martin, and now the Beatles had hired George Martin to work for them, and so there was a subtle change in the relationship.、Uh, he was more、uh, of a partner, I think, in this album than maybe in in albums past, and so. There was a, a kind of a spirit of let's try new things, let's try new instruments, let's try new arrangements, let's do things we haven't done before, and、uh, the hope was they would come out with an album that was good enough to to match everything that their quote unquote competitors were doing. For me, Rubber Soul is is、um, the bridge between、um, the sort of swinging hard days night、um, era and and the greatness of Revolver to follow. Uh, but it's more than that. I mean, Rubber Soul has its its own merits, and、um, to, to think of it as 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 merely a passageway to to the Beatles' best period, I think, is to sell it short. If you're digging the podcast, we're going to ask you to visit another site online to show your appreciation, and that's peacetalksradio.com. Peacetalksradio.com. And consider making a tax-deductible donation in any amount to help support another radio program that explores peace and love. It's the only series about peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. 
Let me be clear that the Beatles have not endorsed it formally, although we once got an email from Ringo Starr's management complimenting us on the work, and Yoko Ono was interviewed for a Peace Talks radio episode about her and John's peace work. So it's a good project to help to show your appreciation for this free podcast. Again, visit peacetalksradio.com and consider making a donation. And enjoy the rest of the series, The Rubber Soul Panel Podcast. I'm Paul Ingalls.